You know how you win the battle? Listen now. You and I have the opportunity to walk in victory, to claim the victory, to experience the victory that is already ours. Because I know I have something to offer. Go where you have never gone before. What you got? Keep moving through the pain. Keep moving forward. Do what you've never done before so you can be the woman you know yourself to be. I live my life playing to win. I'm after something. So much in you. We have the victory. Hey, Purpose Chasers, welcome to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. And I am super, super excited today because we have another phenomenal, amazing guest in the guest chair. And this guest is extra special to me because I have been trying to get her on the show for some time now. I want to say I met Asia maybe four years ago, that sounds right, maybe three, four years ago, um, I met Asia and we instantly clicked. We're, we are exactly the same age, we have the same birthday, and really she is just a phenomenal woman of God. So I couldn't wait to get her on the podcast and I knew that the release of her new book was the perfect time to have her on the show. So without further ado, let me introduce Asia to you. Asia Mignon, also known as Lady A, is a mentor, speaker, mindset strategist, and an active advocate for the empowerment of the millennial generation. Lady A is a fun, down-to-earth, bold, and ambitious ball of fire awaiting life's perfect moments to spark the light for someone else's fireworks. It is her initiative to use her God-given gift to empower and inspire the lives of those around her. Lady A has a unique way of commanding a room with her voice and captivating hearts with the authenticity of her story. She uses the nuances of life to deliver a message that always hits home. Purpose Chasers, let's welcome Asia, Lady A, to the podcast. Asia, welcome to the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super excited. This is definitely long overdue. (laughs) Well, it is good to have you here now. And I'm so excited for this conversation. I'm so excited to get into your new book. But before we get there, I want you to tell me a fun fact about you that is not in your bio. A fun fact about me, I am a millennial wife and mom. So I got married when I was 19 and we've been married for almost 10 years now. We've got two beautiful little boys. So that is not in my bio, but that's a little bit about me. Wow, I love it. Almost 10 years. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Almost 10 years. Because I I, I, I want to say we're this, I know we have the same birthday, but I want to say we're probably, I think we're the same age as well. I want to say that we are. I turned 29 this year. I do as well. Yes. So yes, um, <laughs> that's exciting, exciting. And I know you have a, a new little bundle of joy as well. So big boy now. <laughs> All right. So in your bio, we heard that you are a mindset strategist and an active advocated advocate for the empowerment of the millennial generation. 
What led you to this career path? I definitely say that I feel like as millennials, we take a lot of heat. We get a lot of heat from the older generations. And it was important for me to just keep my peers empowered, you know, um, in the midst of a lot of heat from, like I said, from the older generation, just keeping us empowered and understanding the power of our mindset is so important. I'd like to say that I was truly blessed by being raised by three different generations. Um, I had my great-grandmother in my life when I was a young girl, her daughter, my grandmother, who's a baby boomer, and then my mom. So I feel like I got the mix, a good mix of all of them. And um, one of the most important things I took out was the value of our mindset. I feel like that's just a great place for millennials to jumpstart their life when they're ready to make a change. And so it's just important for me, like I said, to just keep my peers um, empowered. I, I love that. And what would you say the biggest benefit you found being raised by those three different generations? Oh, man, I would definitely say I got a little bit of everything. I got a little bit of a little bit of everything. I mean, my great grandmother, when I think about her um, tenacity and her poise and her elegance, um, the way she carried herself, she was my first introduction to church when I was a little girl. That was where I got my roots in regards to um church and seeing ministry and the way she prayed. And then, you know, my grandmother was a lot, my, her daughter was a lot more strict and, um, I don't want to use the word stubborn, but she was a little more set in her ways. Um, but I needed that too. And that was, that was, that was good as well. She kind of kept my head on. Right. And then my mom gave me that fun and young. She was a lot more flexible. Um, she wasn't as strict on me, but she kept me within boundaries. And I feel like just seeing, like I said, all of those women, I got a little bit of everything um, being raised. And it was it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. I, I, I look back and see how truly blessed I was. Yes. And I, I can imagine what that would be like. I would say that I myself was raised with two generations. Right. So I have my mom and I have my grandmother. and. And then I have my great aunt who's also like having a second grandmother. Yeah. And she was like, she's like, this is my baby. And just to see sort of the differences in how they grew up and the challenges they faced, how my mom grew up, the challenges she faced, and how that framed the people that they are today and then framed what, you know, they passed down to me. And I think that's important, especially in our generation, because there are a lot of lessons that we can learn from the people who came before us, just even the um, little things like how they take care of you when you're sick. And yes. I, have, I have my my mom and her side of the family is Jamaican heritage. Oh, wow. So how they like how my grandmother would take care of me, like if I was sick, she's coming, she's rubbing me down with bay rum. She's putting Vicks there. She's putting a paper bag on my chest. And I'm like, what is this? What is this? I'm like, this is not, oh, this isn't necessary. But the old remedies, they work and they work faster, right? Yeah. There's always something. There's always a gem. There's always knowledge that is to be learned from the, from a different generation. So yes. I want to pause right there since we're talking about the different generations. And I want to ask you, what 
do you think as a millennial generation we struggle with the most? So that's a really good question. And I would say one of the things that we definitely struggle with is um, this understanding of process and time because process is inevitable, right? And I think that when we look at the older generations, I personally find that they, and I wouldn't say my mom, I'd say more like my grandma's generation for me, weren't as transparent about their process. We just see that they got to a place, you know, they they were, you know, eventually to a place where they were homeowners and they were eventually to a place where, you know, they had pensions and they were retiring from jobs and those kind of things. And I didn't really get a chance to see my grandmother's process. So then you have this generation where we're open to social media, where we have access to people's lives and we have millennial leaders who are great and we see that they're successful. Right. And we're like, I need to get to this place, but I don't know how to get there. And then you have where I even for myself reach a, reach a space in my thought pattern where I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm almost 30 and I have not accomplished all of these things. Right. And then I had to slow myself down and say, well, Asia, the truth is like it's a part of the process and everybody has a different process. And because we have access to people's lives, it makes it seem like everyone around me is doing this particular thing. Right. And that I'm late on time. But life is about process and we serve a God who is a God of process. And all of us have different backgrounds and different, you know, journeys and being able to accept the fact that just because I don't have a house and, you know, just because I'm not a millionaire by the time I turn 30 does not make me less of a person. And so I think that 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 pressure of time causes this generation to be very anxious, which leads to a lot of depression. And I just think that that's really centered around this understanding of time and process. I completely agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I don't know at what point in my life, because I was always a planner, right? Mm -hmm. I had myself a five and a 10 year plan and everything in my head, because you know, you're young, right? You think everything is going to go towards your plan. And I remember going to, I, I got a scholarship to university and I remember they were having a meet and greet because they assigned you a mentor. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to whoever my mentor was and I was like, yeah, I have this plan and this is how it's going to go and stuff. And she was just like, oh, okay. Like, she's just nodding along. She's like, so what happens if your plan doesn't work out? And I was like, I don't see why it wouldn't, you know, you work hard and this is what happens. Yeah. And it was so interesting because apart from going, graduating high school and going to university, that is the only thing that went to my plan. The only thing that went to my plan. And I I realized that, you know, trying to do things on my time was creating a lot of anxiety. Um, I think some people now refer to it um, as a quarter life crisis when you hit around 25 and you feel like, you know, what am I doing? But sometimes, I mean, I'm what, 28 right now. And sometimes I look and I'm, and I'm married and my husband and I, we have a house. And I'm just like, I still feel like a, a, just a big kid. Like, you know, like at what point did you shift into adulthood? And I think it's important, like you said, because God is a God of pro- process, but to honor the process that it takes for you. Because just because somebody else may have accomplished what you think is the the epitome of success Mm -hmm. at 30 
somebody may not, somebody else may just be starting their journey at 30 and at 40 is just as successful. So time is really relative. And the only time that matters, is God's timing. I think on Instagram, I saw the other day, it was a poster of like four people. It was like Oprah, four, three other people and what they had accomplished in their thirties, just to encourage you that life goes on past your thirties. And it was something like Oprah didn't even start her talk show not the one that she's famous for the one before that so she was 33 wow and she's oprah now exactly (laughs) and there's another lady that came out of the island of bermuda and she did you know her work but right now she's in her 60s and she's now doing tours and she's a millionaire and she's leading people to god and all sorts of positive things but she didn't get married till the age of 60 yeah So God knows what time works best for us. Mm -hmm. And then we learn how to trust God's timing is can start being less anxious. Yes, that is the truth. Trusting God's timing so that you can be less anxious. I mean, I'm trying to think of when that actually clicked for me. I feel like it was literally over the last maybe like, two or three years where I, you know, I realized for me personally, it was this idea of control Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be in control of what happened and how it happened and when it happened. And I literally was like, I'm never going to really be able to experience the fullness of God in my life and who he is to be in my life until I let go of this whole idea of needing to be in control of everything, you know? So yes, 100% agree with you, sis. (laughs) Yes. Letting go of control is, is so important. And it's, I think one of my friends said this the other day, and I found it to be very profound that we have to remember that what the the moment that we're living in now is usually something that we spent time praying for. And I had to think about that for myself because we're so ready and anxious to get to the next step, to get to the next level, that we don't enjoy the place that we are in now. So I remember a time when I came back from university and this is where everything like did not go to plan. So it took me a very long time to start my what is called a pupillage, which is something you have to do in the UK and in Bermuda before you can be called to the bar and be a lawyer. Took me 10 months. And I was like, okay, fine. Did the pupillage for a year. And after the pupillage was over, I did not have a job. I was so upset with everybody. I was like, I don't understand. You guys told us that, you know, get a good education, stay in school, come back, give back to your community. Yeah, I did that. But nobody is hiring because everybody wants somebody with five years experience. How do I go from zero to five? So I was so mad. And at some point it it like shift into depression because I had a really bad breakup. And I remember I was just like, you know what? I want to leave. And I wanted to spend some time volunteering in a different country, but I never had the time to. So I went away and I did that. And I spent a month in India Um, six weeks in India and Thailand, and I volunteered and I did those things. Then I spent time praying for a job and I got the job that I was praying for. I think I probably was in the job for like maybe just under a year before I was over it. I'm over it. I was like, this is not it. I'm over it. But, and I'm still in that job today, but I was in such a rush to get to what was next or what I thought was next in my process Mm -hmm. that I 
abuse the journey that God had given me in the moment because there are lessons in the moment. So now I've come to a place where I'm like, okay, God, I keep trying to push you in one direction and you keep telling me no. So I'm just going to sit here and actually just listen to you day by day. That's it. I'm not rushing. I'm not doing this day by day. I'm just going to show up. This is the season you have me in. Just allow me to walk in grace. Allow me to do it successfully. And when I had that mindset shift, it was like a load had been taken off of me. Absolutely. It had been taken off of me. And I've spent, I've almost been there about five years at this point, right? Now I got my five years experience. I've almost been there five years at this point, but I didn't, I don't feel like I came into my own until maybe November last year. Wow. Because I was in a rush to go somewhere. I was in a rush to get out of the place I prayed to be in. Mm. So I just want those who are listening to keep that in mind that every step of the way we have been praying for this and we're praying for that. But because we're so used to wanting the next best thing, Mm -hmm. spend some time talking to God and ask him, what what, what is that thing now? And, you know, I know we always that what's next. And I, I don't know if it's just on us or on people or on us as a generation. You know, you go to school. The next question is, oh, where are you working? The next question is, oh, when are you getting married? You get married. I mean, I was engaged for all of 24 hours before somebody asked me about children. And I was like, ma'am, can I not enjoy just being engaged? I wasn't even married yet. So it's always people wanting to know what's next, which is, I think, perpetuating that whole anxiety of like something needs to be coming now. But anyway, I think I can talk about this forever with you. But I want to know what advice you have for millennials who are listening to this conversation and feeling, you know, that they have had that anxiety and they've been stuck focusing on the next best thing and how they can be successful overnight or how they can, you know, collect the bag and all those sorts of things. So I want to know what advice you have for them to help them to be at peace with where God has them. Wow, that's a mouthful, honestly, and I could go on and on and on with that. Um, But I'm definitely staying in the vein with what you said in regards to just being in the now and being present, you know. And another really, really great thing that I did in my process of shifting my mind was slowing down and writing where you've come from and not even necessarily writing your story, but just writing out some of the major things and events you've had that you can remember from as far back as you can remember until where you are presently, Um, because that's a very powerful self-reflection and the things you've accomplished and the things you've overcome. Um, Because again, just like you said, when we spend, I literally have chills discussing this right now um, because this is such my present life at this very moment. When you slow down and reflect how far you've already come and the things you've already accomplished, that there are so many who have not accomplished those things, you'll really take a moment and reflect on just how blessed you really are, you know? And again, remembering that the moment that you're living in is something you prayed for. And a quick caveat to that, because I, I have to share this because it's it's an amazing testimony, is that currently I'm, I am not working. And we made this, my family and I made this huge move um, to Texas. We're in Texas. And we made this huge move um, by the calling of God 
to move halfway across the country away from our family and everything we were comfortable with to come here um, for ministry. And in that process, I had to stop the job that I was doing before, which I absolutely loved. And I had only been there for about a year and a half. And this is the first time in my life since I was 14 that I have been unemployed. And it is the most strangest place for me because I am used to being able to financially bring something to the table. Now, we are not millionaires and we're not balling out of control, right? So um, being able to bring something to the table from those generations that I talked about before that taught me, that's what I know as women, we bring something to the table, we work hard, we go out and we're able to help, you know, in the house financially because that was what I saw. And being in this position right now has been the most awkward and uncomfortable position ever. And I tried time after time to get jobs, right? I've been applying and God has been slamming doors in my face. And that was one of my things to know that, hold on, slow down, wait a second. Remember that this moment was something you prayed for. I prayed to be able to be home and raise my kids. It just doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. Mm-hmm. And that can be a hiccup sometimes when we're like, I pray for it, God. And I, I thought it was going to look like, and he's like, daughter, I did. I just didn't do it the way you thought I was going to do it, but I did it. And so I too had to slow down even in this moment and reflect and look back on, look at all that you've accomplished and the things that you desired and prayed for. And look at where you are right now. Like this season of my life has been supernaturally supplied literally by God. And I've experienced him in another way. And I would just encourage anyone that is listening to know that again, when you lift that desire for control and needing to be, it's got to be done your way, the way you pictured it, the way you planned it, we limit God. And he wants to be God, right? All knowing, all powerful, everywhere at all times in our life. But we limit his ability to do that when it's got to be within the parameters that we set. So lift up that need for control. Ask God to come into your life and help you to break this stronghold of needing to be in control of everything, right? Release yourself from that and allow God to be God in your life and, and, and allow him to show you how to be present in your now. Mm-hmm. I think that's so beautiful how you mentioned about this. What's next? Even with my family now, it's like, so what's next? Like, are you like, are you still planning to get a job? Like, what, what are you going to, what, what's, what's next for you? How long do you stay home and not work? Like, I mean, it's, and, and they mean well, they, they, they truly do. They mean well, but you, when I say you gave me chills 100% right with this, what is next? And it's like, what's now? The now is I'm here, I'm in this moment, and I don't want to miss this. You know, I even had to slow down. I have a little one and he's 16 months and just taking time to just watch him play, Mm. you know, taking time to just look at the way he walks around the house and look at those little small things like y'all, like slow down in those moments. Maybe you don't have children. Maybe you have a, a spouse or you know, maybe it's in work, slow down in your processing your day and just kind of soak up where you are. How do you do your work process, you know, or whatever it is you're working on, whatever, if it's self-care time, like just slow down in these moments, these precious moments, because they literally don't last forever. And there will eventually come a next, you know, and we look back, like, look at how COVID has changed in the pandemic. Like we never knew that the week of March that we were enjoying ourselves mm-hmm. and having a great time that one day this was going to become a memory when things were normal mm-hmm. and we weren't wearing masks. And I look back at pictures of like literally 
weeks before then where I was with family and we were having a great time and everybody was together. And now I look back and say, oh my God, we never knew that in a week span, all of our lives were going to change. I would have enjoyed, and I did enjoy those moments, but I would have enjoyed them in such a different way had I knew that our lot all over the world, our lives were going to change drastically like that, you know? So I could go on and on about that, but just definitely being an analysis, that was just so on time um, and just letting God have control. It's a beautiful thing. It is. And I think that's very powerful, you know, cross out what's next and focus on what's now because life moves by fast. In the moment, it doesn't feel like it's moving fast, but in reality, it is moving fast. And you will be surprised the things you didn't get the time to enjoy because you were focused on something else, right? You were focused on something else. And I, I, and I equate that to um, just even as a woman, right? So my thing is always, since I was a child, I was always trying to lose weight, right? Mm -hmm. And I always had a really low self-esteem. And I always thought I was the biggest person in the room. Not that I actually was, but I always thought that. I thought I was the biggest person in the room. I thought I was so large. And it was literally because I was more, I I grew, my body came in at like eight, right? So I was curvy, but I, you, you're, you don't know what, you don't know that, right? Everybody else is just straight up and down. And it's funny because as the years go on and as my weight has fluctuated and I, I, I look back at the girl that I see, I, I, you know how Facebook does those memories. Mm-hmm. From, so it was like a memory from like 2008 or something like that. And I looked at it and I looked at myself and I remember that day and I remember feeling so uncomfortable, but I was taking pictures anyway and feeling so large. And I'm looking at myself like, boy, I'd like to be that type of large again. Right. I didn't get to enjoy it. I'm like, I showed it to my husband. And he was like, you have like no waist. I was like, I know. <laughs> but I didn't get to enjoy it in the moment because I was looking for all the negativity all the things that I thought was wrong. And I think I was listening to, uh, I want to say Pastor Stephen Furtick or somebody, somebody I was listening to, or maybe it was a podcast. And they said there are, or maybe it was an interview I did. I don't know who was listening to something. But um, they said there are three voices in our mind. There is the voice of, oh, it was an interview I did. There is the voice of God. There is our voice. And then there's the devil. And the devil will look to take any, any moment to push you into negative thinking, push you out of seeing the glory of God that you're currently getting the benefit of enjoying. Mm -hmm. So we have to, we have to, we have to remember to push that away and thank God for what you're getting to do. Like this is a benefit. You get to wake up every morning. You get to go to work. You get to use your hands. You get to see your son play with his toys. You know what I mean? Those are our blessings that some people can only hope for and some people are only praying for. So we have to thank God in every step of the way. Now, before we go down this path longer, I want to get into your book. Yes. <laughs> you stay here and talk forever. But I want to get into your book. Tell us about your journey to writing Changing the Millennial Mindset. What a journey. Um, I was actually, this was in 2020. I was actually pregnant at the time. And um, uh, the Lord speaks to me in several different ways. I am a dreamer. Um, And then 
Oftentimes in my quiet time, he just gives me audible downloads. And he had told me the year before that, that when I leave my current job, I would write a book. And I was like, <laughs> he must have meant that for somebody else because he couldn't have been talking to me because I'm, I'm not an author. I don't, I don't, no, I don't do that. And um, anyway, it's 2020, the entire world is shut down and it's quiet time, right? Everybody's in quarantine. And the Holy Spirit was like, it's time to write. And I was like, it's time to write. He's like, yes, it's time to write. And he gives me the idea for the book. Now, I had had a podcast some time before with the same name and I kept in that vein um, with the same name. And I just started writing. It actually took me about six to eight weeks-ish to write the book. Wow. Um, Yes. Um, I would write at the same time every day in the same space. And I think it kind of just trained me to write. And um, as I was writing, it was amazing. It was a healing process as I was writing. There's a lot that I am very vulnerable about in the book. And um, yeah, it took me about six to eight weeks to write. And I was complete and I thought I was done. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, take a step back. I was like, take a step back. And he's like, yes, take a step back. And then that next year in 2021, we got the word of the Lord to move. So we were very, it was a whole lot going on. So I took time away from the book and I thought I was finished it and that I would just pick it up to publish it later. And then in the beginning of this year, the Holy Spirit says, time to pick the book back up and you're not done yet. I was like, I'm not done. I done wrote all these chapters. Like, what do you mean? I'm not done. And when I sat down, he gave me the final two chapters. And ironically enough, which is not irony because God does everything on purpose. Um, had I not taken the break that God told me to take, I wouldn't have had the content to finish the last two chapters of the book. So he needed more time mm-hmm. and he needed to process me some more. Um, well, I, I, sheesh, every time I talk about it, I just, I, I get chills. So yes, he needed more time and he needed to process me some more. And so he gave me the final two chapters and I finished that out the beginning of this year, which, um, put me in position to be able to publish, um, in April. And so it's just been an amazing, um, journey thus far. I never thought that I would be an author, but God has a funny way of doing things. <laughs> He sure does. And congratulations on being an author. I remember when you started your podcast. I remember that. So, and I knew just from the first time I met you and just speaking with you that you had definitely had a lot of things to say and a lot of things that will benefit those who are listening and now reading Mm -hmm. what you have to say. Who needs to read Changing the Millennial Mindset? Who is this book for? So I... I think that people would initially say this has to be just for the millennial because it's called changing the millennial mindset, but it's actually for a range of folks. So for some people, they are going to read this book and they'll say, I've never experienced these things before. Right. And this is a great way to keep from making the same mistakes that this woman of God made a great way of looking at things. And then for some people, they're going to say, I've experienced these same things, sis. I'm right there with you. I've had these same experiences in life, but I never looked at it in this way. I never had this perspective before. Um, I just want to give this quick caveat that the reason why I named it changing the millennial mindset is because we're actually in a millennial era. The millennials are literally, we are running this area. We are the largest population right now. So it's not just about what we call that age bracket of 
millennial. You know what I mean? You got to be between this age and this age. But just understanding that we're in a millennial era of time. Some people might pick up this book and they're older and they may say, man, this young girl, this is inspiring to me. Or, you know, I had some of these experiences, but I never thought about them in this way. And she got a great revelation from from these experiences and can glean from some of this and say, you know what? This is a good reminder. You know, I've learned some of these things, but this is a good reminder for me. This is, you know, a good um, place for me to be able to reflect in this age group in my life. Um, but if I had to define it down to an age group, it would literally be for someone in their 20s. If I had to hone it in on a specific age group, it would definitely be for someone in their 20s. Um, because a lot of the book is the last 10 years of experience that I've had and the mistakes that I've made and the lessons that I've learned from those experiences. I truly believe that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so many of us go through things and we don't share, you know, or we share what's pretty or we share what what can be dolled up. Right. But in this book, you're going to get the raw and the real. You're going to get the vulnerable. You're going to get the things that I didn't really want to share, but I knew that it was necessary. Um because when when you're going through something in your life, I want you to be able to say, I remember reading in this book, this woman of God said she went through the same thing and God did this for her. And if he can do that for her, he can do it for me. Right. Because God is no respecter of persons. And I I feel like it's the most powerful thing to be able to hang on to someone else's testimony in your time of need in your time of saying, this is my low place. And I remember when, I remember when this woman of God shared this with me. So um, definitely, again, I'd say if I had to hone it in, it would be for someone in their twenties, but know that anyone can pick up this book. Even now, those who've had an opportunity to purchase the book that are not in their twenties have already been blessed um, by the book tremendously. The uh, editor was like, ma'am, and she's in her fifties. And she was like, this book helped to set free years of bondage that I have had. And that blew me away because I never thought that I could touch someone that was the same age as, you know, my mom in that way. So I I feel like anyone that picks up this book would definitely be blessed by it. God really moved in this thing. It was not me. It was 100% him. He definitely did move. And I love how, although the book is entitled Changing the Millennial Mindset, that God would be able to use your um, your message to transcend generations, which is so important. I mean, you get straight into it from the introduction right into day one, you get straight into it. And I want to just touch on that experience (laughs) just, just to give, just to give the listeners a taste of why they need to pick up this book. But I want you to, I guess, in your words, tell us about that experience when you got to do you call it college? We call it uni, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, we we call it college when we went to college. Yeah. When you got to college, tell us about that experience. Um, so my freshman year of college, I was the first in my family to go to college. And I went away to school and I decided to pledge to be a part of an organization that was a little sister to a Greek org. And um, I had had some friends on campus that had done the same thing and they had amazing experience or whatever. And I was like, oh, I want to do this. I want to have a family away from home. This is going to be great because I was hours away from home and I had no family there. And anyway, I began this process to pledge with this organization and it 
it ended up horrible. And as you'll read when you get into the intro of the book, I start right at the pledge process mm. um, on day one. They had us in an apartment um, feeding us all kinds of foods that they had concocted in the kitchen. And I remember saying to myself, okay, this is a little strange, but like, okay, maybe, maybe this is what they do. And then by the time we got, I mean, they did like a lot of embarrassing things. They made us embarrass ourselves that they made jokes said. And I was like, okay, you know, this is again, strange, but I guess I can get with that. And then by the time we got to the end of the first night, we were being slapped in the face with a wet washcloth. Mm. They were asking us questions that they knew that we didn't have the answer to. And um, one of the leaders um, came up with this idea about wetting a washcloth. And like, if you've ever been flicked with a, yep. with a wet washcloth, that thing is no joke. And um, mind you, now they took our cell phone and all of our belongings when we first came in. They were literally slapping us across the face with these wet washcloths. And we kind of just had to hold this grip position that they, you know, taught us how to do when we got there. And I remember saying to myself, what in the world have I got myself into? This is crazy. I'm letting somebody slap me across the face with a wet washcloth. And we were there for a few hours. And I remember being released from that. And I was like, I'm not coming back to this. This is crazy. And the girls that I was online with were like, you were so hype about us doing this together. Like, we need to be a part of this. You know, whatever. We're going to finish together. Blah, blah, blah. And there's one thing about me. My alter ego does not back down from a challenge. Uh, I probably need to pray for her. But she, <laughs> this, this other side of me is like, Sis, we're not backing down. You know, you, you're not a quitter. Like, we're not going to quit. In any way, they talked me into coming back. I was like, all right, I'll try it again. And we get there the second night. And one of the girls that we were online with the first night never showed back up the second night. And I was like, see, I knew it. And after that first night, I had I had welts all over my face and my neck so bad that I couldn't go to class. And um, because I was like, they're going to be like, who was beating on me? Mm. Um, and so anyway, I stayed in and I had a bunch of ibuprofen to try to let and, 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 and ice packs to try to get that swelling to go down. And I came back the second night and that night was just brutal. I mean, it was the worst experience I had ever had. They like piled us in the back of a truck and they drove us out to like the middle of nowhere. And we get into this concrete basement where again, they're asking us a bunch of questions that we weren't going to know the answers to. And by the end of that night, we were literally being beat to a pulp. Like I remember there was a point in the night where I was like, okay, I can't let this keep happening. Like I have to fight back. And there were three of them and there were three of us. And so I was like, maybe if I try to fight back, these girls will have my back and at least I'm not out here by myself, but I can't continue to do this because it's just not in my nature. And um, anyway, um, I went to swing on one of the girls because I was like, you're not going to keep hitting me. And her blind sister, she hit me and I didn't even see it coming. And Literally, she hit me so hard, blood came from my nose. And none of the girls that I was online with stepped up to help or anything. And I remember saying to myself, you got yourself into some deep dog crap this time. And I don't know how you're going to get out of this. And so I was like, I'm either going to continue to fight back and I might not leave here alive. Or I'm just going to take this and try to get out of here whenever I can. Because again, they had all of our personal belongings and all of that stuff. So it got pretty brutal the end of that second night. Everything from... They came up with kangaroo kicks where they were leaning on the other two people and they were taking their feet and kicking me all in my neck and my chest and my stomach. I mean, it got crazy. Hot sauce in my eyes. I mean, it was just, we were in the middle of nowhere. It was like, it was the most traumatizing experience ever. Here I am 18 with this, I'm away at school 
And I am having this desire to have family away from home, wanting to create this new bond. And I have this experience. And um, anyway, we get to the end of the night. And one of the most profound parts of the night was um, we get to the end of the night for the most part. And they take us from outside back into this concrete basement. And I remember saying to myself, I got to use the bathroom. Now, at this point in the night, I had been holding in everything that I had. Right. And so the, 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 the main lady's desire was to break me down. Mm-hmm. So every time she would hit one of us, the other girls in my life, they would fall all over the place and they would get it back up and they were all on the ground. And I just refused to break. Like every time she hit me, I looked her in her eyes, like it's me and you. So anyway, we get to the end of the night and I was like, I have to use the bathroom. And there was no bathroom in the basement. They were like, you can go use the bathroom at the tree outside, like a dog. And I left the basement and I get up there and I look outside and I'm like, it's pitch black. I don't know what time it is. And I'm in the middle of nowhere. And I get on my hands and knees. And I said, God, if you're real, this is my first encounter with God. I'd gone to church before, but with Nana, but it was never an experience. And I said, God, if you're real, get me out of here. And I promise I'll never come back. Amen. And I got off my hands and knees and I looked up and the guy that had dropped us off at said that night was coming into the parking lot. And I remember saying to myself, oh my God, God, you're real. Like you, you heard my prayer. And I was full of emotion because at that point I had held in every bit of fear, every bit of anxiety. I was exhausted. We've been doing this for hours and to have encountered God in such a low moment, in such a vulnerable place, my life was changed forever. It was never the same. Ever after that moment. The night ended, we went back to our dorms and I kept my promise, my vow to God that I was never going to come back if he got me out of there. And I remember calling him and telling him, hey, you can count me out of this. I won't be back. And um, it was a whole experience after that. My mom, of course, you know, we went to court and all that other stuff. And I was like, mommy, please don't do this. And she's like, not trying to hear it. She's like, yeah, right. They halfway killed my child. Definitely. We're going to court. And I ended up with time in the hospital. I was in the hospital for a while and I spent many years of healing inside out. I had a lot of internal bruising and stuff. And I I I, I started the the book in this way because I'm a new author and no one knows me. Mm-hmm. And I know one thing about millennials is that we desire for transparency. We mm-hmm. can see through anybody's nonsense, right? I don't want you to come to me dolled up, like you've got life figured out. You know, I want you to show me that you you've been around the block sometime, you know what I mean? And you've experienced some things because if you're going to speak into me, I need to know that you know what you're talking about. And so I started the book in such a raw way because I wanted you, of course, I wanted to grasp my audience, but I wanted you to be able to say, dang, this girl been through something. She's had some experiences. She's, she's experienced some stuff and she's got something that she can share and she can impart in me. And I figured it was a very powerful way to start. Definitely Holy Spirit. wasn't me because I wasn't going to share that story. But yeah, I figured it was a very powerful way to start. So yeah, it was one heck of a journey, one heck of a story. But I was hoping that that experience would let people know that I've, I've got something that, that, that needs to be shared. Yes. And like it is, it is a very powerful way to start. And if you don't mind, I just want to read this, this short paragraph that you wrote because I think it's so powerful and for those of you listening, this is just the beginning of the book. So you can imagine what the rest of it is. But I just want to read this short uh, paragraph. And it says, amid the chaos, I started going to church. I gave my life to Christ, got baptized and met a guy that made my heart smile. I needed that. I needed him. It wasn't long after we met that he asked me to marry him and we eloped. 
I made a lot of decisions that that year with a broken heart and a beat up self-esteem. The beauty in, in it all was that despite every poor decision, God was guiding my path the whole way. My steps were ordered. No, it wasn't the exact path he intended for me, but being the master of all direction, he always found a way to reroute me when I seemed to have taken a detour. <laughs> what is more powerful than that? What is more powerful than that? And I, I wanted to read that because I know you have so much more to say and I don't want to give it away. <laughs> I don't want to give it away. And I want the uh, listeners who are listening to this podcast to definitely go and pick up this book, definitely go and connect with Asia and hear her story and let her help you shift your mindset, because that is what is most important. And I think the biggest takeaway is that no matter what path you are on with God, no matter if you decided that you're saying, God, I ain't got time for this. I'm leaving. I'm going left. And God is telling you go right. Listen, he is like GPS. He's like, all right, you're going left right now. We'll take the next right and take another right to make your way back to where I told you to go in the first place. So I absolutely love that. Asia, before we go, I want you to share with us some tips that you have for us for millennials, for those those of us who are going to read your book, to start shifting our mindset. The most important thing that I can say is we have got to know what God thinks about us. We have got to ask God to take the scales from our eyes to be able to see ourselves and our life and our journey from his perspective. No, we're not God, but him being, us being able to see ourselves how he sees us, that's the beginning of a mindset shift. That's the beginning of change. When we give our life back to Christ, where where it belonged to begin with, right? We, we tried to take it in our own um, hands. When we, when we give our life back to Christ, one of those first things is understanding that our mind is transformed be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our minds have to be changed. That's the beginning of it. We have to begin seeing things differently. Um, And I think that when I tapped into God and I started looking at my life from his perspective, the different areas of my life, I realized that there was a need for a shift. And I realized that the way I was thinking was not the way God thought of me. And in order to bridge that gap from being stuck and being able to really have a jump start in the life that God desired for me, I had to begin seeing it from his perspective. And I think that's so powerful um, because, again, it lifts that anxiety of time. We serve a God that is not bound by time. He lives outside of time. Right. And so at the blink of an eye, he can make anything happen for us. And when I really, like I said, just engulfed the idea of what God thought about me. I valued myself in a new way, right? I had a new perspective of myself. I desired new things. My taste buds changed. The things that I desired in life began to change when I saw things the way that God saw them for my life. Um, And it brought a peace to know that no matter where I am, even if I'm nervous about making a decision and that I would make the wrong one, just like the GPS God was going to reroute me. And as long as I yielded to him, he was going to get me back to where I needed to be. So it's all about making change and shifting. And don't be afraid to make those changes because even if you step happen to step in the wrong direction, know that God's going to reroute you. All right. 
That was absolutely amazing. I absolutely love your tips. Asia, you have to tell us where we can connect with you, where we can buy the book. Give us all your details. And of course, Purpose Chasers, as you know, I am going to put all of Asia's details in the show notes. So just be one click for you to connect, to buy, to follow, whatever. Anyone listening can follow me on Instagram at call me lady l-a-d-i-i underscore a um that's my same name on all social media platforms and then in regards to the book of course you can purchase the book at www.changingthemillennial that's two l's and two n's changing the millennial mindset.com um it's on amazon as well and it's also on my website so i know that it's going to be a blessing to many many that choose to sow a seed know that this is a movement for the kingdom of God. And I'm just excited about what God's going to do through this book. Thank you, Asia. All right, you guys, you heard it first. You know how to connect with her. Definitely connect with Asia. Tell her you heard her on the podcast and definitely get her book. Asia, this has been great. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slave podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Be sure to like and subscribe. And also be sure to leave a comment, leave a review. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you liked from this episode, what you like from the show. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Pray Plan Slave Podcast, or you can follow me, your host, Shantae Sapphire, at Shantae Sapphire on Instagram. And the podcast is also on Facebook at PrayPlanSlay.com. We're on Twitter at Shantae Sapphire. All that information will be below in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us.